Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. You do have your Bible school with me to Matthew chapter 6, and everyone has a different view and feeling about money, and usually that comes from on how the way we were raised. For example, Becky's mom was 26 when she, she, at 26, she had six children. So everything was about money. Why didn't Becky have gymnastics? We always say this, her and I, I don't know if you have these conversations, babe, you'd have went to the Olympics, you should have had gymnastic lesson. But it was one word that stopped that. With six children, you, they, you couldn't have all six do extracurricular activities because of money. Now, my dad was 48 when my twin sister and I were born. And they were wealthy. We never talked about money. I didn't even know. I thought only very poor people had a budget. It's like, if you have money, why do you need a budget? Uh, That wasn't thinking. However, my view of money is really shaped by my parents. And I want to say something. I want to honor my father today. My dad still today, and he passed away when I was 16. He is still the most generous human being I have ever met. And I've always wanted to follow that, giving more than taking. And so I want to give you some statistics. 16 out of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money and possession. That's nearly 50%. Nearly 25% of Jesus's words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. Now get this, one out of 10 verses in the gospel deal with money, and there are over 2,000 scriptures on money, giving, and possessions, and when you compare money in the New Testament compared to praying and faith, money's mentioned twice as many times. And you say, why are we talking about money? Because God talks a lot about money. You say, why are you guys doing this? Kind of makes me uncomfortable. We're not trying to make you uncomfortable, but God talks a lot about money, and you need to hear this. God isn't trying to get anything from you or I. Do you know that? I I always heard people say, why did God create us? And they kind of say it like they're from Arkansas. Why? Because he needed love. No, God never needed anything. For God to need something, he's not God. God is self-sufficient, pre-existent. He's God all by himself. God didn't need heaven. God didn't need angels. God didn't need an earth. God, one person, I mean, being three persons were sufficient in and of himself. And so God's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to get, please watch this. He's trying to get something to us, for us, those are prepositions, to go through us to other people. Are you with me? So God is not trying to take from, he's trying to get to and through us. Can you say amen? And so let's read Matthew chapter six. We're gonna look at verses 21. And we will look at verse 24, and here we go. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, go down. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate 
the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Get this part. You cannot serve both God and money. And again, money, God's not after our money. He's after our heart. It just so happens that our heart follows our money. You guys, I have three sons. They're all married. I'm a granddad. I never wanted a son. I wanted one daughter. And I still dream about if I had a daughter. I wonder how I, would I would even, even let her get married. No, I wouldn't. She'd have been 80 before she dated for the first time. You know, I'd have protected her. But if someone came and I had a daughter and a young man came and says, I want to pursue your daughter, I'd say, show me your checking account. And if I noticed he didn't tie, I said, back up, Jack. If you rob from God, you're going to rob from my daughter. Hey, okay, come on. Okay, so we need to get this. Money needs a mission or it will become a master. Our money needs a mission or it will become a master. And I want to give you four ways of giving from Scripture. Number one, tithing is an act of obedience, giving to God what he says is his. Did you hear that? Now, tithing is simply 10%. And tithing is giving to God what he already says is his. So when we bring 10% of our income to God, it represents 40 hours, 50 hours of work, who we are, our destiny. We're giving back to him what he says is ours. And I want to do this. I want us to take a tithe challenge. And I want to just say this at this point in the service. We want to invite you in March to take the tithe challenge. And that is for 90 days, you commit to tithing and bringing your first 10%. Why 90 days? You're saying, well, wait, why do we have to do it 90 days? Well, tithing is not about trying. I want you to really get that. Tithing is not about trying. It is about trusting. But sometimes to trust, we have to take one step of try to lead into trusting. Do you get that? We must take the first step of trying to grow in our trust. So we want you to commit to 90 days of tithing. And during that time, we're going to come alongside you, the team, and resource you with weekly devotionals and videos for your journey. You say, when do we start? We start this challenge on March the 5th. So we we want you to prayerfully consider taking the tithe challenge. Now, tithe is this. It's it's an act of obedience in giving God what is his. I want to tell you what offering is. You need to write this down. This is what we're talking about today. Offering is an act of worship, giving to God what is ours. Did you get that? So offering is an act of worship. How? By giving to God what he says is yours. So what is an offering? It is an act of worship. Okay, and please, let's set the record straight. God is not seeking music, and God is not seeking worship. God is seeking worshipers, and you can only worship God as you give to him what is yours. And please write this down. Every offering should have within it a thread of sacrifice. It should have something where David even says, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. So offering is that act of worship where giving 
giving to God what he says is ours. Next week, we're going to talk, and you should come back. I believe California could be changed with this one. It's charitable giving, an act of generosity by giving to others what God has given to you. Did you get that? I don't want to read it again. Charitable, uh, charitable giving is an act of generosity by giving to others what God has given to you. And I just want you to say that's how California can be changed as we move into generosity. And the last one, the last week will be kingdom investment and active faith by giving into people and initiatives for the expansion of God's kingdom. But today we're going to look at offering. Now, how many of you have ever received a, a gift from someone? It's so overwhelming. You feel a pressure that you have to give them something better. Come on, Christmas or birthday. You give that you receive from them such an outrageous, it's embarrassing the gift that you feel a pressure to give back to them. I want you to know that in life, there are two types of people. They're givers and takers. And I don't know about you, but if I see a taker that knows me and they go to my Starbucks, I'm gonna drive out of my way to go to Pete's and I don't even like Pete's because I don't want to, I don't want to be around a taker. I wanna be around a giver. And now the greatest, the most generous person I already said this was my dad. My dad. No, there are two types of givers. My dad gave with no strings attached. He gave you something, it was yours. He helped all my mom, she had 12 kids in her family, get uh, mortgages, get a, get a house, go to a school. He was very generous, but he didn't say, you never want, mm, you owe me. Now, mama, she was a giver, but mama, she didn't give with a string attached. She gave with a rope attached. You know, it's like, mm. and I say, hey, I didn't know it was going to be all this pressure. Now, I want you to hear me. When God gives, he absolutely gives with no strings attached. And I think we need to consider when we begin to ponder this one word, offering, well, how does God give of himself? Well, in the book of Genesis, we see that God gives a covenant, that God gives redemption, that God gives his only son. We begin to see that God is giving with absolutely no strings attached. We see that God gives creation, covenant, redemption, himself as a free sacrificial love gift with no strings attached. To give an offering, please get this. I want you to write it down. I want you to ponder it. To give an offering will involve love, it will involve sacrifice and trust. And so what I want to begin to do today, the Bible begins with creation. And creation is such an amazing thing. I've been pondering creation. I'm already now in the book of 2 Corinthians in my Bible reading plan. This is my 43rd year going through the Bible reading it. So I've already been through Genesis in those two great chapters in Genesis where you see creation. Let me tell you, our God isn't like any other God, what kind of God is that logical, that order, that sensible, that sustaining with creation? And if God holds this world together, how? By the word of his power, he can hold our lives together. And, and so in chapter three, we see where humanity begins not to listen to the voice of God. Now, tithing is simply an act of obedience where we give to God is temporary 
10% what he says is his. Now, to give an offering, we really, the reason why we may do okay with tithing but not offering is because you have to enter into a daily, consistent relationship with God where we're aware, we're familiar, and we have the intention of listening and obeying to that voice. And I have never heard God in the realm of offering say, will you give this to me without it having an ouch to it? And so the narrative changes, you guys, by chapter 12 in Genesis, where God chooses a 75-year-old man His name is Abraham, and God says, I'm going to bless you, and through you, the whole world is going to be blessed, and then Abraham becomes familiar. He becomes, he recognizes, and he obeys the voice of God, and let me tell you, he becomes righteous for one thing. You and I do not become righteous because we give. You can't pay God off. He cannot be bought. He's not for sale. Can I say amen? Our God is amazing. He loves us, but when we know him, we're going to want to worship him, and you can give without worshiping. I'm going to say that two more times, and you're going to get it. We can give without worshiping, but we will never worship without giving. Did you hear that? And so Abraham, he set up five altars and put five offerings or sacrifices on it. And we're going to begin to look at that. I want you to know this. Put Write this down. Offering has an ouch to it. You guys are funny. You're going, I don't like pain. (laughs) Offering always has an ouch. It's going to come on the screen. And you're going to read it out loud together with me. Can you do that? An offering is an act of worship by giving God what he says is yours. We're going to read that. Is it on the screen? Oh, it just came up. You want to do it now? I'll count to three in Spanish. Uno, dos, tres. You want me to do it in Italian? Una, due, tres. An offering... I don't know, dudes. I think the women are better readers. I have to go on the record and say that. The guys are like, no, an offering is an act of worship by giving to God what God says is his. Faith is the passion of an offering. Get this. Faith is a passion for the impossible. You need to get that. When we have faith, we can have a passion for the impossible. And I want to say this other thing. Every offering should have within it the element of sacrifice to God, which, come on, our passion is giving to God, our tithing, what is his, but our offering is giving to God what is ours. I want to tell you a story. Last year for Christmas, and you guys are generous to Becky and I, people will come and give us gifts. Uh, One time when I was a youth pastor in Seattle, um, this widow uh, had this furniture and she had had it in her garage for a long time. So it was kind of ruined and smelly. And it was the furniture of her deceased husband. And so she gave me the furniture and she goes, this is for you. You know, and it's like, and it had his initials carved on it. And then the next week, someone came and gave me shoes that looked like they were worn out. And that person was deceased and someone gave me a coat. And I started laughing and said, gosh, I'm receiving offerings that missionaries 
families don't want and no one wants. And to me, if you're going to give an offering to someone, it has to have an ouch in it. Okay, let me prove it to you. The Bible college students come over, and when they come over, I'm a really good, like, Martha Stewart host. And, you know, etiquette says you should give them a gift when they come. They're your guests. And so we feed them. We laugh. I give them a tour of the house. And so I gave some of the guys books. Some, here's a shirt, you know. And I tried to give them nice stuff, like, I don't even wear this, you know, or it has sweat stains on it. No, I wanted to give them something good. So Anna, one of the Bible college students, I thought, well, there's nothing that, as far as a shirt or something, oh, they had this little jar of perfume. I thought, you know what? Let me smell it. I go, whoa, this smells good. I said, I'm sure someone gave this to Becky. She won't mind. And so I gave it to Anna, and Anna goes, my goodness, this, this smells so good. I go, I know, right? Becky comes home later that day. I go, babe, that, that perfume, it wasn't costly, was it? She said, Jude, I received that as a gift from a friend. It is Louis Vuitton's number one best-selling fragrance. It is worth hundreds of dollars for a small bottle, and you gave to the Lord that which cost me everything. <laughs> It was so easy for me to give that perfume. But guess what? When we were in Europe last summer, we are at the Louis Vuitton store in Barcelona, and she said, remember what you gave away? She said, actually, you didn't give that offering. I gave that offering. I felt the sting of it, so it was an act of worship. But I really feel, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, my husband will buy this perfume for me. So she has the dancing blossom perfume, or whatever it's called. Amen. And I sprayed some on her yesterday, and I received of that offering. Amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. Becky and I have never argued over tithing. Our life, we have tithed for 30-something years. And I'm not saying that as a bragamony. We have given to God. It's an act of obedience. But to do that, you have to trust God. But when it comes to offering, the reason why I think it's so challenging, because there is an element of sacrifice in it. Remember, you can give without sacrificing, but I mean, uh, worshiping, but you cannot worship without giving or a sacrifice. You see, sometimes guys will give a gift to a girl because they want something from it. It's not worship at all. It's called manipulation. And can I tell you, God is so big, so smart, so independent, he's not going to be manipulated by any of us. But I can tell you, we cannot manipulate God, but you sure can move God where he'll get you out of a just dimensional living into a supernatural way of living where the windows of heaven are open in a broad way. Are you with me on that? And so I want you to read this with me. And it says, you can give without worshiping, but you cannot worship without giving. They're going to put it on the screen. And when it comes up, we're going to read it together. Here we go. You can, out loud, you can I want to tell you what happened. I was telling you this last Christmas. People are very kind to Becky. Then a young couple. They came and they said, Pastor Jude, may we come over to your house? We want to give something to you and Becky. I thought maybe it'll be a cheese platter. Usually it's cookies and Christmas edibles, and they want me to, uh, I mean, cookies, chocolates, edibles. I don't know, that, that sounded like off the wall. I felt your friction on that. I felt your friction on the edible. 
I felt the pushback. What, gummies? What are you talking about, brownies? No, no. <laughs> I would laugh as, no, don't you dare. Do not bring me that type of edible, okay? Do not, do not, do not. <laughs> I will laugh about this during the Super Bowl. No, not those type of edibles, just dumb cookies that you get heavy. <laughs> so this couple came and they had an envelope that had a Christmas card. And they held it like this. Almost like, you know, have you ever seen charismatic Christians, those neo-Pentecostals, when someone powerful is going to pray for them? They, they always do what I call the, uh, the humble receiving, you know? It's like they kind of cower. And so this couple came in their posture changed. And so I opened it, and, and I thought, it's probably just going to be a few dollars, but you need to act as if it's a million. I opened that card, and it had a beautiful note in it, except it was a lot of money in a check. When I looked at it, literally, I pushed it back into their arm. I go, I can't accept this. They go, no, no, no. God spoke to us a year ago, and we saved our money that as we give this to you, this offering is actually going our God because you see worship involves an offering an offering where we take what is ours and we give it to a God who's not asking for it he's not manipulated but he's moved with it and, and I then felt, I felt like God saying you must receive this. And Becky and I were so moved and humble. We never fought over tithe. Ask me what we fought over. It's the offering, guys. You know, we were good little Christian, kind of check in, check out, wrote that 10%. And can I tell you, it's good. When a group of people called City Church California, if 100% of us, who, and this is the tithe challenge for 90 days, would give that 10%, I'm telling you right now, this region would hear of your exploits. However, I believe God wants to move us into the realm of offering. You see, Abraham was righteous by faith. He didn't buy his righteousness. Well, he also had a nephew, and his name is Lot. And Peter says this, Lot, that righteous man whose soul was vexed. You can be righteous and not give because righteousness comes through faith and faith alone. And you must know this, Lot never once built an altar and never sacrificed, even though by faith he's righteous, his lot, see his lot, his life speaks of nothing. I want my life to make a difference. And I believe it happens not only through tithing, but offering which is an act of worship and I don't know about you we're coming out of something so globally the pandemic is the world war or the wars that we're seeing it's worse than a world war and can I say I don't care what we're going through I think the greatest way to go through it is through worship and worship isn't just singing it's an act of giving sacrificially of what is yours that you worship God come on can you say amen so we were just married, it's like 1986, and we're on the front row, 
and they're, they're receiving the offering. We had already paid tithes. We did that 10% check. And we had taken the tithe challenge. I said, babe, will you write a check? I feel we should give an offering for $5. She leans over. We start arguing on the front row. Jude and Becky. How many of you ever fight in church or that crazy? I love you, sir, that you raised your hand. <laughs> At least you're sitting in the back. I mean, I had no shame. And I, I said, babe, write the check. I'm the man of the house. She's saying, Jude, we have two loads of clothes. We will not get paid for two weeks. Please get this, get this. Logic will always keep us from not giving an offering with an ouch, but it will allow you to tithe. So I said, Becky, I feel God asking us to give this $5. I kid you not. She wrote the check. The very next day, we received a check from an anonymous person. And on the memo, it said this, for Becky to get a dress, for Jude to get a suit. And somehow, Almighty God, he wasn't manipulated, but he was moved by a couple. And you say, what's $5? When it's all you have, it is everything. And it's an act. It's a sacrifice. It has an ouch to it. Come on. Can you say Amen. And so I, I want, in, in the 80s, we used to sing this song, we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house. Have you ever seen of the Lord? And they clap like university cheerleaders. We bring the sacrifice. Why do they clap like that? You see, they know it. House of the Lord. Oh, don't sign up for choir, people. No, come on. Can I say, we could sing that as long as we want, but if we don't have an ouch offering coming, then it's not an offering. It's not worship. Worship contains an offering that is sacrificial, okay? Five altars Abraham built. Number one, you could read in Genesis 12, 7 and 8. He built an altar in Shechem. And Shechem's name means strength. Can I tell you when your heart will open up and give to God sacrificially? When you get strength from the Holy Spirit within your inner being. And he resuscitates you. His second offering is at Bethel. And that is the house of God. And that's Genesis 12, 8. It's something about God in his house house and his people responding with an offering that has an element of sacrifice to it. His third was built at Bethel and they had left Egypt. I don't know about you, but I have been giving extra offerings. You say, why? Before COVID, God put it on my heart, a verse that I was not thinking of, be still and know that I am God. I had a different verse in 2019, December 27th, and it was all things are possible for them who believe. He said, that is not your verse. Things will happen in the next years that will cause people to doubt me and deconstruct their faith. He says, I want to teach you silence, stillness, and solitude. And I said, well, I don't have a verse for that. He said, be still and know that I am God. When you're not still, you won't know, but when you are still, you will know. Can I tell you, it saved my life. I received something from these last three years. So I do, I do want to give to the Lord that which cost me something. Why? Because I, he, he, he really separated me out of something that was destroying me. And you can ask my wife, we are better now than we ever have been for 37 years. Of course, we want to give God something that is of us as an act of worship. Can you say amen? 
And we really do believe that. And then the fourth offering was Hebron, and the fifth offering was with Isaac. I want you to go to Genesis 22, and we're going to begin to read this passage. And as you're turning to Genesis 22, Mike and Janet Rovner are marketplace pastors. Years ago, she was saving. It took her about a year. Everyone say, ouch. Say it again. A little bit louder. Oh, we don't mind the 10%, but the ouch hurts. For years, she saved to buy a sofa, a couch. And that Sunday, a young girl from Bible college had been called to go from Moore Park, Simi Valley, to move to Thailand. And that she would begin to go and rescue young kids, young children out of sex slavery. And as Lana was in the parking lot, Janet Rovner, who had just started in the hair industry, had been saving, she would shampoo, she was a shampoo girl, she was an assistant, began to save for that sofa, and God says, give her that for to, uh, her mission. And she would, it would buy the plane ticket for Lana to go. 30 years later, Lana is still in Thailand and has rescued hundreds to thousands of young people. Why? Because someone was willing for their worship to have an ouch and a sacrifice, not just with uh, words, but it, with a heart. Are you with me? And I believe that. So let's begin to read. It's 19 verses. And so here we go. Now it came to pass after these things that God had tested Abraham. Now it's not a test for failure. God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. This is a test like when the boys would take them skiing, snowboarding. I wouldn't let them go on a black diamond unless they could do a blue run. And I wouldn't let them go on a blue run unless they could do a green run. And I was testing. I knew they had the ability. God's not testing for hard. Arm, but knowing what he put in Abraham. And he said this, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he, then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. I want to stop right there. In Leviticus, there's five different offerings. The sin offering is mandated that you make an offering. If you had sinned, and we all do, that, that offering is it's mandatory. You have to do that. A burnt offering, a peace offering, a meal offering is voluntary. And it's interesting that God didn't say, go and offer Isaac as a sin offering. Why? Why did God say, go, why didn't he say, go offer Isaac? Well, because Isaac had sin. And if you have sin, you need someone to be an offering for your sin. And so God has given a type and a shadow that he would give his only begotten, not made, preexistent son, not only to be a burnt, a meal, a peace offering, but that Jesus Christ would be a sin offering, that we would be healed and forgiven forever and our hearts would open up to him where we would want to worship with a sacrifice, not just with an empty heart. Let's read 
on. And it says this, a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, that means resurrection, people, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw a place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. You cannot go worship without a sacrifice. And it didn't say the lad and I will go worship, send the worship team ahead of us. You have to go with an offering. And so it goes on, and he says this, uh, uh, but Isaac spoke to his father and said, my father, he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. Did you get that? The lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Why? For now I know you fear God. You're worshiping me since you have, get this, you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of Isaac. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said this day, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Are you with me on that? And I love this. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. And get this, I love this, in multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Look at verse 18, we're coming to an end, the plane's gonna land. In your seed, in the one who will come from your body, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because what? You have obeyed my voice. What is the problem with sin? We yield to our own ego, our own intelligence, and it robs us from simply giving God an act of worship and where we have a sacrifice in it. And I love this. So Abraham returned to his young men. They rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham, I love this, dwelt in Beersheba. Can you say amen? I want this. Will the band come up or at least the piano player and they'll think I'm ending. And so I want you to get this is <laughs> that Abraham rose early to go bring an ouch or a sacrifice. And it's there when God sees our worship, we will experience God's provision. Did you just hear what I said? 
When God sees our sacrifice, we will witness God's provision. Did you see that? I, I want to read that. Every offering should have within it the element of sacrifice. I want to tell you a story that happened. Years ago, we had started, uh, we helped City Church, church home, start in Seattle, Washington. And <laughs> we sacrificed. We sold a home and uh, we made $10,000 and we would use 9,000 just to live. And our pastor was believing for nine people to give $1,000 because the first rent check was gonna be $9,000. We only, we didn't even have 100 people in the church. We maybe have had 90, 96. They never thought Jude and Becky would be one of those nine. I'll never forget it. I was up in prayer, I'm just pretty much a monk and a prayer geek. I got up in my monastery, I was just praying, I was before God, and. He said, give me that $1,000. I said, Lord, that's all we have. You see, faith of Abraham is not a creed or a formula. It's a radical relationship that demands and beckons sacrifice and costs. I said, Lord, that's all I have. He says, I know, and I'm not asking you for $1,001. I'm asking you for all you have. I tried to outsmart the Almighty. I said, but Lord, it's not my money. It's Becky's. It's her house. And so you're the one who said the two should be in agreement. So until you speak to her, this offering's not going to be able to be made because usually when we give offerings, I want to give 100. She wants to give 50. I want to give 50. She wants to give five. Go talk to your daughter. You know, kid you not, two days later, a day later, and I knew it was God. I knew it was God. And actually, I wanted to obey. That's when crazy offerings go in a place where it, it hurts. It's a sacrifice, but you want to. Your want to is so much stronger than your have to. Becky would come and she would say, the Lord put it on my heart that we're to give. And when she said $1,000, I knew. The home that we live at here in Ventura, it's a miracle. We couldn't even go near it. It's a result of God seeing two people who are making $1,400 a month. And the cost of living was so astronomical. The last thing we should have ever did was to consider an offering. In fact, of the 1400 a month, I went to Becky, I said, do you think we should tithe our whole life as a tithe? It's 140. Thank you, Becky. We both agreed. We will tithe. So we gave the 140 check. Our rent was 833. The church wasn't established. We had to pay our own health insurance. That was 356. John was still in diapers. In diapers alone, not formula, not baby food, was over 40 a month. But we gave the tithe. And there's a God who does not want his people living under a tent of fear where we can't see what he sees, we can't feel what he feels. It's in the offering that you will have the faith to get out of the tent and you will hear your God
after you give such an offering and you will hear him say, stand. And now, son, count the stars if you can and see if you can number them. And I wonder if that day Abraham knew they would be stars. He knew that Isaac would bless the world through his seed. Christ would come. And not seeds, but seeds. Seed. And did he know there would be a Jude Fuquay and a Becky Chauvin and Jake and John and Jude in Sierra? Did he know there would be people in Ventura in California that we would be people who would be lost, but he was willing to not withhold the greatest thing of his life? God does not want a tip. He does not need money. He is not Jehovah Cheapo. He has all the Cadillacs on a thousand hills and thousand oaks. God wants people saved. God wants California revived. God wants to bless us. God doesn't want you going from check to check. God wants you to get out of the tent. Get out of your own ego. Get out of your own head. Get out of listening to your own voice and begin to see a God who can raise someone from the dead. Come on. you mind, can I tell you one more story? Sit down. When we helped start the church, we had five kids in the youth group. Judah Smith, Wendy Smith, Mike Smith, Carla Adams, Christy Adams. We'd go, 18 months into it, Kathy, we would go to a ski retreat. It was the worst youth event in the history of youth ministry. My pastor, Pastor Wendell, was so furious at the activities of these leaders, he said, I'm firing every one of your volunteers and you will start over again. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It was an ouch, but it was good. That following weekend, I still feel the feeling. I'm on a Horizon flight, Alaska, going from Seattle to Kalispell, Montana, Whitefish, Montana. If you've never been, you should go. Because there's a highway that goes up to the mountain. They say it's the highway to the sun itself. You will feel as if you're driving into the sun. I went, I felt like a failure. And I thought, why? I'm talking to God. That's where offerings begin. In a collaboration, conversation with Almighty God. So why did you choose for me to do this? He fired all my youth leaders. I have nothing to say to them. Kid you not. I was kneeling in that little cabin. The Lord said, get up. I've given you something to say. And what I have given you in my words is not based on another person's failure or even your failure. You cannot change my word. No, you go and give them what I told you. You guys, it was some of the most powerful ministry that we had ever, from then, before, then, and even after. My wife, at the age of six, was a severe stutterer. And I really knew that she would be healed one day. And so we were wanting to go. They had these amazing revival meetings in Toronto, Canada. And Becky, a friend had given her Microsoft software. They worked for Microsoft on the box. It had tickets two for one anywhere in North America. So United States and Canada. Someone had said, hey, if you guys go, we'll pay for the rent-a-car. We'll, here's some money for food. Here, we'll pay your hotel. But we didn't have 
airplane tickets. We didn't have credit card. I kid you not, the day, <laughs> it's bizarre, but it's so amazing. It makes me want to give my life more. I don't want to give God for that. That doesn't cost me. Why would I want to give God a shirt I don't even wear anymore? I would like to give him Becky's perfume, and I did that, but then he came back to bite me. I just... That day, there was an envelope with my name on it. You couldn't spell my last name. Pastor Jude, that was it. We opened it up. He said, I don't know if you remember speaking at the winter retreat in Whitefish, Montana. You changed my life. I have three different jobs that I work after school. I tithe, and my parents and no one asked me to do this. God told me to give you $500, but it was so hard for me to release a 16-year-old boy. So hard for me to release that $500. I finally obeyed after six months, and I'm so glad it was delayed in one sense because if we got it before Christmas because we were so strapped, we would have paid for, you know, just getting the boys stuck. It came right on time. And we would go to Toronto, Canada. Becky went as a stutterer, was sitting on a carpet that was so dirty and filthy. Her eyes were shut. There was no antics, no hoopla. An elderly woman came and prayed for her, then left. Then Becky felt someone grab her ankle. She thought it was me saying, come on, I'm hungry, let's go. She opened, no one was around her. And God spoke to her mind and heart. He says, Becky, I'm giving you what you need. I'm giving you boots of peace. And he says, I have need of you to speak. And I kid you not, she felt a warm vibration like when you go to the dentist and you get a shot. And right there, her larynx opened. Her vocal cords were free. And two weeks later, Becky is speaking in Portland, Oregon, in front of 2,500 teenagers. And I just want you to know that offerings matter. They matter to God because within it carries true, authentic worship. It matters to us because you never know who your offering is going to reach. So that young 16-year-old boy, every woman who comes to this church, and every time someone's family is touched through Becky, there is an offering of a 16-year-old boy that wasn't manipulated, was motivated by the goodness of a logical God. You have to get out of your tent and out of your logic and out of your own thinking to move into an area of worship and worship will change you worship will come on resurrect you can you say amen stand up that's it oh my goodness Whew. don't worry super bowls he's got time to get your nachos ready put your hands like this i am believing not only for the tithe challenge and you heard that 90 days i'm believing for us to settle down and have God speak to all of us. I, 
I'm not telling you how, what, when, but I want to be like Abraham. Lot never gave one thing. He's in heaven. I'm not going to heaven without bringing a lot of people with me. And I want to get out of the tent of religion and how you always do church, Jude, and get and see a God who created it all in sheer goodness, sheer intelligence, sheer logic. I am going to choose to trust him more than my own brain. And I'm going to give that which costs me. So I want you to just pray just right now, God, we all want to hear. What do you want us to give? We do not want to withhold. You have that key to our alabaster heart and we will give in love and joy in faith to you as an act of worship to that which you say is ours. So we will give liberally, sacrificially to you. To you and we know this will move you and then you'll move upon us and then we will move upon the world and the world will come to know Jesus Christ just right where you're standing everything is a personal relationship really faith to me in its primordial sense meaning is very rugged basic seed form is trust whether it's tithing or offering or charitable giving or kingdom vision, it's trust. It's not just believe with your mind. It's to trust him with your being. Trust the Lord with every cell of your anatomy. In everything you do, all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will sovereignly, better than MapQuest, direct your life. And you will find yourself in a wide, spacious place and the limitations of your own thinking will be removed and you will see the God of creation who is also the God of redemption and you will know that God who is for you can never be against you and you will enter into and I'm, I'm declaring this over someone you have struggled and struggled you go back and forth you give you tithe you give offerings but it seems I can still check to check I feel an inspiration of the breath of the almighty I don't think God always wants us living from check to check there could be one idea from the almighty that can cause exorbitant wealth to come your way to see California saved Amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.